Hey guys, how you doing? Oh, that's good. That was definitely, oh no, that was Jacob. Good on you. Faithful buddy. Always got my back. That's very good. All right, can you get into this stuff? Um, the question I want you to ask yourself is this. What do you really care about? Okay, I want you to ask yourself, what are the things that you really care about? The things that if they were taken away, that would really get you rolled up. I was talking to Barrel earlier, the drummer, um, like half an hour ago. And he was like, hey, Curtis, nice haircut, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I had a dream last night that Sam Meredith shaved my head and cut all my hair off. And he's like, and it freaked me out. Okay, and he was really scared about it. And I said, and I, trying to just test the waters, said, Jake, let's say we did, like right now, we pinned you down, me, Sam, and a couple other guys pinned you down, cut your hair off, and then just ran. What would you do? And he's just like, oh man, like I'm getting worked up just thinking about it. Like he's like, I don't know, like I'd find your cars and I'd do something hectic. Like he's, and he just said like, oh, that would genuinely bother me. I would really care if that happened. That was something that he cared about. Now, it's probably not the most important thing in his life, but probably up there. Um, there's, I'm sh- we all have those things, yeah? What are the things you really care about? I think there's things we really care about. There's things we really don't care about. So I'll tell you a story. Um, I was teaching a year six class once. I always tell you stories when I'm teaching because they're really funny. Um, I was teaching a class, all year sixes, that there was this girl called, well, let's call her Jazz, okay? We'll call her that because that was her name. Um, but anyway, there was this girl called Jazz, and she could not care a, like, the tiniest bit less about school, okay? Maybe she reminds you about someone. Someone named you, okay? But I still remember I was teaching this maths class. I, everyone came in, sat down. I was like, oh, this is what we're doing. We're learning this fractions thing. Cool, cool, cool. This is what you got to do. Go off, do your work. And everyone started. And then like eight minutes later, in comes Jazz, like just cruising in, okay? Heaps late. Sits down and looks at me and goes, what are we doing? To which I go... Maybe if you were here on time, you'd know. <laughs> and the whole class goes, oh, you're the teacher. What's the matter with you? And they'll freak out and whatnot. And I just go, oh. but Jazz could not care less about school. If school got stripped away from Jazz, she wouldn't care in the slightest. Okay. I don't know. What are the things you really care about? What are you protective over? Now, maybe you do really care about school. That's your thing. That's your dreadlocks. Okay. Maybe you care heaps about sport. You want to do heaps well at sport. Maybe it's just what people think and you just really want people's approval. Um, maybe you just don't care about much at all. You know, you're pretty chilled. You don't worry about much. You don't care about much. You're just a cool cucumber and ain't nothing going to tie you down. Okay? Maybe that's you. Either way, tonight, in this bit of acts that we're getting into, we're going to look at something that should capture us. Something we should all care about and be really protective over. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to hook into it. So how about you guys pray with me? We'll pray together. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you now for the words you have spoken to us, and we want to thank you for this gathering we can be a part of. We're thankful that we can be part of your people. Father, please be at work in us now as we hear you speak. Please be at work in our hearts. Help us to care about what you care about, and help us to be captured by what you think is important. Pray that'll be true for all of us now as we get into this. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So we've been looking at Book of Acts this term, hopefully familiar. It's a kind of a historical recount of the first century and the spread of Christianity, the spread of the gospel. And last week, we would have seen Paul, this figure that we've been tracking. He was in a big city, big capital city called Corinth, where he preached Jesus for about two years. And you'll see Corinth on the screen. Corinth is the red circle that I helpfully added for you guys. Okay, he was in Corinth. In this passage, Paul's on his way to Jerusalem. So he's doing this green line. Okay, so he's a bit further up in, that's Greece there, and you can see Italy to the left. And he's on his way to Jerusalem. And then he's going to head back out to Rome. Okay, just preach the gospel. And on his way to Jerusalem, you'll see, he, he goes near this place called Ephesus, or Blue Circle, okay, as the locals called it. Um, okay, Ephesus, it's in Asia, what would have been Asia at the time. And it was another big capital city at the time. It was like New York of the ancient cities. Okay? Previously, Paul had spent about three years in Blue Circle, okay, in Ephesus. He'd been traveling a lot, but Ephesus took heaps of his time. He spent heaps of time there. He stopped there to preach the gospel. He started the church in Ephesus. He cared for the church in Ephesus. One time he started a psycho riot in the city that was pretty good. If you look in chapter 19, he didn't like start it, but because of him preaching, people got so riled up that they had a big riot and tried to chuck him out and whatnot. Anyway, that's in 19. That's pretty exciting. Um, but he did heaps of stuff with them. He worked when he was in Ephesus. He cried with these guys. He was real close to them. He preached publicly. He went from house to house teaching them. He cared about them heaps. He spent heaps of time with them. Paul and the Ephesians were real close. And when he does Green Line past Ephesus, he snobs them. He doesn't stop at Ephesus on purpose. Check it out in verse 16 of chapter 20. Get your Bibles out. Have a look down. Verse 16. Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, which is where Ephesus was. He snobs them. Now, we've all had that happen to us yet. You're cruising in an affair, and you see over there, there's a person walking the other way, and you're like, I know that person. So you do a wave and some high eyebrows, and you're like, hey, man. And they're like, they're just walking the other way, just like, my eyes are forward. That's what I do every time I walk. I didn't see you. I'm always looking forward. Who looks in other directions? They do these ones. Okay? I know they do that because I do that all the time. <laughs> you know, like, you know, just those conversations. I was in, oh, I was in Coles the other day and I was like trapped between two people that I knew would stop and talk, but I didn't know them heaps well and I just knew it was just going to be weird. And I was like, Gunny, go there. Oh no, they're everywhere. What do we do? Anyway, <laughs> Paul, Paul does one of these ones. Okay? He doesn't want to stop in Ephesus. <laughs> But he tells us why in verse 16. So back in that verse, the next half, he decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. So he was in a rush to get to Jerusalem where he was going to preach the gospel. And he knew if he went to Ephesus, he would spend forever there. Spent three years with them. It's not going to be a quick visit. I'm sure you've all got those friends, the ones that you just can't have a quick conversation with. Yeah, you got those ones. I remember there's always a mate, and I'll talk to him on the phone. He'll call me for whatever reason. I'll call him. We'll talk about whatever we wanted to. And then he's just keen to go and go and go and go. And he's just keen to chat and chat and chat. And I do what we all do, which is, ah, oh, I'll let you go. And he always does a, no, no, I got nowhere to go. I'm good. What, what have you been up to? What's been happening? Uh, okay, cool. Paul, Ephesus was that one for Paul. He knows that if he goes there, he's going to spend forever there. Not because they're heaps annoying, just because he is heaps close to them and he'd spend time with them. But he doesn't want to stop there, but look at verse 25. So it's over the page for me. Verse 25, he realizes 
Now I know that none of you among whom I've gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Paul realises he won't ever see them again because he's going to Jerusalem where he could get killed. And then if he doesn't, he's heading out to Rome. So he's, he's aware that he will not see the Ephesians again. And he's real close with them. So what he does, because he cares about them, you get it in verse 17, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. And when they arrived, he said to them, dot, 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 big speech that he does. So he brings the big wigs from the church in Ephesus, the ones who look after the church, the top dogs, to, they bring, he brings them to him so he can talk to them and tell them stuff. He gives them a big farewell speech for the last time he'll ever see them. And this speech, it's very interesting. It's the only speech in Acts recorded to Christians. So it makes, that makes me keen to figure out what it says. But he gives them this big speech and he tells them what they should focus on. Something they should be captured by, what they should really care about. And I want to show you. He says, God's people are valuable and worth caring about. Look at verse 28 with me. Your eyes down. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his own blood. Now that's an outrageous statement. That sentence should knock you off your chair. I want to paint this one for a picture for you. Imagine this. <laughs> Good on you, Sam. Sam fell off his chair. Okay. I want you to imagine this scene for, scene for a moment. You're a dad. Okay. You're in the army. You've been in the defense force for 15 years. And you come back and you're on this big extended holiday. And you've got your four sons that are this big and this big, this big, this big. So you've got an eldest and then a couple younger ones. Okay. They're all, they're all guys. And you're like, all right, I'm back for a nice extended holiday. I'll take them on a holiday. We'll go to Vanuatu. Get on the plane with your boys. You're going, you're going, this is sick. Just high-fiving every like 10 minutes because you're so pumped. Um, and then you hear the voiceover. <sighs> Emergency evacuation. Engine failure. <sighs> Killer. Holiday ruined. Okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> life ruined. It's pretty tra- tra- tragic. Anyway, so you hear that and you go, oh, okay. So what they do is the line goes up and they literally, they're handing out parachutes one by one, grab, jump, give instructions, off they go. It's either that or go down with the plane. Okay, it's the only option they got. So people are jumping, you get to the end, there's you and your four sons, not enough parachutes going around. Okay, you got to imagine this. Get, get, get right into it. Immerse yourself in this. You're the dad. What are you feeling? You're feeling emotions. Cool. We're in there. Anyway, um, so you get there, there's not enough. You're way too heavy. You can only deal with one. Okay, but your eldest, he's like this. He can deal with having the younger one. So what he does is he goes, cool, I'll just strap them all to me and we'll just do one big one. We'll be fine. Okay, because them all combined doesn't equal you, the dad. Um, So anyway, so you jump off. Your son jumps off with the rest of them. The other three strapped to him. And you get down. You get where it's low enough and you go. And the little parachute goes up. And you're just floating safely, all right? And 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 then you see your son goes and he goes. And he goes. You know, like it does. Okay, but he's too heavy. They're way too heavy. Okay, and you just see him coming down, and you're going, all of them. They're going down. And then as he gets to about here, you and your eldest, he looks at you, and you know exactly what he's thinking. He goes, off he falls, lets his brothers go. He goes down. They float down to safety. 
Now you get home. You go back off into the army. You hand your kids over to the carers that look after them while they're, while they're away. What are you going to say to the carers? I tell you what you're going to say. Take good care of these boys. My son gave his life for them. Don't let anything happen to them. Look at verse 28. Halfway through. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. God bought us with his own blood, the blood of his son, Jesus. His life was given. That's why Paul tells them to care for the church, to be shepherds of the church, because that's how valuable they are. Now, I don't know what the most valuable thing that you have or you've ever had is. I reckon the most valuable thing I've got at the moment, probably my car. Like, it's not a crazy expensive car, but it's just the most valuable thing I've got. I spent... Yeah, that's, that's my car. 2005 gets. Anyway, but this is probably the most valuable thing I've got. I would have spent two and a half grand when I bought it. And I'll tell you how much it's worth to me. About two and a half grand. Like, it'd probably be a bit less. But I care about it enough, and it's valuable enough, that if you go find it and smash it tonight, I'm going to care. Because it is valuable to me. We know that God's people are worth caring for by how much God spent on them. Yeah? Verse 28, he bought us with his own blood. Could God pay a higher price? Now, God buying us with his blood may seem like a very bizarre thing for God to do. So I want to give you a bit of a rundown on this, just so you feel this. All mankind, this is how this works. All mankind have got themselves in a bit of a pickle. Okay, that's probably the world's biggest understatement. All of mankind has stuffed up in the greatest way possible. They've rejected their creator. This is the story. We've all done this, all of us here, including myself. We've ignored God, rebelled against what he's told us to do. We've blocked him out. And for that, a price has to be paid. You do the crime, you do the time. Now, our crime against God has the ultimate payment, death. And by death, I mean cut off from God to face punishment for our crime forever. Now, humans over the course of history have tried to pay this price in a bunch of ways that have never worked. They've done different rituals. They've tried to be really good. They've done lots of stuff like that. God dealt with this. And God rescued us once for all. God paid our price himself. That's what verse 28 is talking about. He paid for our crime. He bought us with the blood of his son, Jesus. So we can escape this death. So we can be rescued from this separation from God for all eternity. So for all who trust Jesus, for all who are God's people, the church, we've been bought with the blood of Jesus. So when Paul tells them to be shepherds of the church, he's telling them, watch And make sure none of God's people wander off. Make sure everyone stays trusting Jesus so they can avoid death. And he tells them to feed the sheep, help God's people grow as you teach them. God's people are worth caring for. God sacrificed for them. They're incredibly valuable. 
Now, this will shape how you view youth on a Friday night. This is where God's people get together, the ones he died for, which will change it. This will become priority numero uno for you, coming here with these people and caring for these people because God's people are worth caring for. He sacrificed for them. Now, we see this play out in the chapter in, through the whole thing. Paul shows us, Paul, the guy doing the speech, he shows us that they are worth caring for. And he shows us that God's people are worth giving up life to care for. Yeah, you can tell how valuable something is by how much they give up for it. So if you knew what Israel Folau gave up for rugby, he'd go to the gym and the field doing training every day. He'd push himself to the limits. He'd eat a strict diet. He has no carbs, just greens and proteins. And he moves around from place to place to place to place to place to place. He does that because we can tell sport is valuable to him. What he's doing, he values that. If not, he wouldn't waste his time. You can tell how valuable it is by how much they give up for it. I want you to check out what Paul does for God's people. Crack your Bibles, keep them open. Verse 18, I want us to look from. Verse 18, we're going to see what Paul does. This is the start of the speech. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came in the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. You track on what he's doing? He's going from house to house. He's speaking to crowds. He was in tears. He kept going when people were against him. Check it out in verse 31. I want you to see more. Verse 31, be on your guard. Remember that for three years, verse 31, I never stopped warning you night and day with tears. Paul worked tirelessly and gave up his life to care for God's people and to bring more people into God's people because God's people are worth giving up your life to care for. See Paul's attitude in verse 24. This one's a killer. This one's heaps good. Me and my G team are looking at this one. This, this Sabo. Verse 24. His attitude. I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul weighs up the scales and he thinks, my life is not as valuable as bringing people to become God's people. Now, I don't know what the most you've ever had to give up is. I, the other week, this may be a bit personal, but we can, we can share in confidence. Okay, the other week, I had a mate come over and there's only one can of Solo in the fridge. I had to give it to him. I had to give it to him. I couldn't crack that Solo in front of him. I had to give that one for a mate, okay? But it was worth it because I value my mate more than I value that can of Solo, okay? And we're all right. I'm sure he'll give me a can of Solo some other time. Um, but no, that wasn't the point. It was worth it, okay? You can tell by how much they give up. God's people are worth giving up life to care for. They're that valuable. And we see that from Paul and we see that from God. And the whole point of Paul's speech is to make sure the Ephesian bigwigs, the elders, will give up their lives to care for God's people in Ephesus. 
This is the speech that your parents are going to give you when you ask to borrow their car. They're going to crack out the car keys and they're going to go, now, I work really hard to make sure I look after this car. This car is really important to me. You better do everything you can to look after this car. Well, it's going to come, okay? or it's already come. This is Paul handing over the keys, so to speak, of God's people. He's saying, I'm leaving them with you. Look after them with your life. They are valuable. They are worth caring for because God gave up his blood for them and I gave up my life for them. So look around, look around the room. Here at EV Youth, these people are worth caring for. God bought us with his own blood. So I've got three. Three things that that we can take away from this passage. One, you actually need your leaders. Now, I'm definitely the type of person who loves to be able to get by on my own. The other day I was making dinner and Yanni, my wife, would be like, so have you cut up the chicken? And my response would be, I got this. I got this covered. You just go about your business. I got this. This is my thing. I got it covered. Don't mind me. And then she'll like cruise in the kitchen just to get like a drink. And I'll be like, out of my kitchen. I got this covered. All right. This is all me over here. (laughs) We may be keen to go around riding solo, but this part of Acts is real clear. We need leaders. All of us need people watching over us. That's why Paul says to the bigwigs, I'm leaving. Just letting you know, I'm not going to be here. You guys need to be there to lead. He's making sure there's no way that the Ephesians would be left with no one leading them. Even your leaders here at youth have people who lead them, who care for them. We all need leaders to help us stay trusting Jesus, to help us hold on to the truth, to help us grow in our faith. So sit under your leaders well. Soak up your time in G-teams with your leaders. Chat to your leaders about things going on in your life. Chances are your leaders will probably chat to you about stuff, pull you up on stuff. Accept that stuff well. They're just looking out for you because they know that you are valuable. So sit under your lead as well. Dos, second thing. God's people are under threat. Now I want you to see this. You want to need to see this in verse 29. So get your eyes down. This is one of the big reasons he wants God's people to be cared for. Verse 29. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Some people are going to try and attack and steal away the people that God died for. Now, if that doesn't get you fired up, I don't know what will. There will be people who teach things about Jesus that aren't true They'll threaten God's people and they'll steal people away from Jesus without the people even realising. I don't know if you've had someone take something away that is dear to you. I can only imagine that if I had a daughter and I was walking through Coles and someone tried to grab her and snatch her, I don't know what you'd do, but I'd finish off with a vein popping out of my head and a tooth popping out of theirs. Like, like it would just fire you up. (laughs) God's people are under threat. There's going to be people that will turn away from Jesus 
because they heard someone teach about Jesus. They didn't realize they were leading him astray. They just believed what they were taught. And before they know it, they're not even trusting Jesus. (laughs) Don't be naive. Not everyone who is a Christian leader teaches the truth about Jesus. Not every youth group will teach the truth about Jesus. Not every teacher will teach the truth about Jesus. If we believe whatever we hear, we will be led astray without realizing. It's just inevitable. So, don't be gullible. Be aware we're under threat. Be on guard. And also, just don't be that person. Like, Don't take this and go, well, they're, they're trying to lead me away. They're trying to lead me away. Don't be that cynical finger pointer that thinks everyone is against them. Going around being suspicious of everyone. Realize we're under threat. Don't be naive. Be on guard. And this is, this is part of the warning to you guys. To be on guard. Tres. Tres. Three. <laughs> this, is the, this is the big one and the obvious one. Care for God's people. They're worth caring for. This is what really comes out of this. Do all you can to care for them. Now, how can we do that? Well, the thing they need most is to stay trusting Jesus and to be growing as a follower of Jesus. So help them do that. Encourage them to keep trusting Jesus. Look after them. Help them get connected with God's people socially. Help them grow in their faith. Remind them lovingly of the truth so they don't get led astray. A couple of ways you can easily do that. G-teams, get, get along, get amongst it. Make sure you're there. You can't care for God's people if you're not even around them. Pray for your G-team. When you're there, I assume you guys are praying for your G-teams in, your week, in the week. If you're not, get amongst that. You want to be looking out for people. Second way, disciple time. This is literally time purely for caring and helping each other out. Make good use of this time. Care for the other people's faith. And use youth well. This is the time we get together. Have heaps of fun, hang out with people, but make sure you make the most of each night to care for each other. Be intentional with what you're doing. This is the time we get together. What do you care about? What should we care about? What should we be captured with? God's people. We should care that they stay in Christ, that they grow in Christ. God's people are worth caring for. So let's have each other's back and care for each other. I'll pray that we can do that and then we'll go do it. Let's do it. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for buying us with your own blood. Thank you for pursuing us and saving us from the punishment we deserve. Thank you so much for loving us so much and making us your own. We are so thankful we can be part of your people. God, I pray that us in this room will not let go of Jesus. We will not be led astray. I pray that we can do all we can to care for each other and to help each other keep trusting Jesus. I pray that we can do that tonight, this week, and in our lives. I pray we'll spend our lives doing what we can to help care for God's people because they're valuable. And we thank you that you value us. In Jesus' name, amen.